1: From Nathan Melton. From Nathan Melton with the super chat. Thank you Thank so you much, Nathan. Nathan. Nathan said, IB is the best. I hate that I didn't find it sooner. Seriously, though, nothing better than a Friday mailbag. Appreciate that, Nathan, very much. And another super chat from Raymond Harton. Appreciate you so much, Raymond. Says I appreciate you guys for good work covering the only team I care about. I also love the fact that you are also Patriots <laughs> and not the Tom Brady kind
2: of. Thank you for that. Not the Tom Brady. The Patriots do have sweet uniforms though. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very much a Some red, white, are. and blue kind of, Some of them very are. I actually like their old uniforms. Like when they the
1: throwbacks. Do, yeah. The throwbacks I don't
2: nice, I didn't like the Patriots uniforms at the time but I love them when they wear them now as a throwback. I think they look really cool, more like really cool in like modern garb, like the way that uniform stuff, uniforms made of now. I I very much like them. Yeah. 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 And I, and I I do not like the all blue. I will say that I do like the silver blue and silver way better than the all blue, to be honest with you. So weird little, weird little thing.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
1: We had another super chat from Chino Aguirre. I yeah, apologize if I'm no. saying that last name. Chino. Chino. Thank you. Says showing love and appreciation. Go Irish. God bless all.
2: Appreciate you, that very much, thank man. You. We, like I said, Ryan, we do have a great crowd. The guy just, just gave us 10 bucks just because, I mean, because, it, it, we, we appreciate that. Just we because really, it's a
1: Friday. Love we it.
2: really do. We really do. Cause like to me, Ryan, what, what it means to me, is like, it's not the $10, like the $10 helps anytime we get chats and we, we make money. It helps us grow. But it's just the fact that someone's just doing it just' cause to show it's a form of showing that they care and and uh, that yep. stuff does not go whether it's a dollar ninety nine super chat or a ninety nine dollar super chat it's like it's all appreciated we really do we do appreciate we do love
1: this community very very much. We had another super chat from Connor Grant who said, if you could add one current college football player to Notre Dame for this season, Ooh. who would it be? One current one. Wow. That's
2: good. I know exactly who it would be for me. It's not even okay. hard to think about with all okay. doers. I look, I love the Notre Dame receivers. They're great yeah. guys. I'm putting Marvin Harrison as my boundary receiver for two reasons. One, he's a stud and two, he ain't playing for Ohio state. So I don't have to play against him. Sure. Right. But that, that would be why I'd go there. Could you imagine Sam Hartman throwing deep balls to, marvin harrison jr all year would be very nice and be be a lot of fun that'd be a lot of fun (laughs) so that would be why
1: i would go there i mean i could go with the d lineman or whatever but yeah that's uh, i I would probably go and this is a combination of this guy's really really good and also there are some questions about the tight end position right now i might go brock bowers i might man he just he's pretty good because yeah. you could also throw him into the boundary if you sure. felt like it. Like it's sure. very good. I mean, so. it,
2: it'd be the same. The, the only reason that I'd go with Marvin over Brock and that comparison is Marvin. Yeah. get taking Marvin means you don't have to play against him.
1: That's true. Brock, you wouldn't point.
2: have to play against him in the postseason. But if if Marvin does his thing, you may not get to play in Brock in the postseason. Very fair. You know what I mean? So it's very fair. Yeah, that's where I would go. And I and again, I I would still play all the other Notre Dame guys and all that. But it just you know, it's just. Yeah, the question is that's where I would go.
1: I also thought about Braylon Trice to be add some more to the yeah. big end position because just because <laughs> just but I'm really so excited
2: good. to see what Javante Jean Baptiste does this year. I really, yeah. Man, but could I'm... you
1: imagine Braylon Trice oh, and it. Javante Jean? I get it.
2: I get it. <laughs> I would want to think of a, a, maybe a position where, but I just don't know enough about the best tackles and the best linebackers and the best safeties in college football to be able to pick one of those. I just would have to yeah. think. I'd have to think more about those. To be honest with you.
1: Yeah, D tackle is a yeah. position that I. I mean, if J, if 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 this this time last year, I mean, maybe Jalen Carter would be in my conversation, right? It's like, hey, I'll yeah. take Jalen Carter, sure. Come on over, bro. yeah. Exactly, <laughs>
2: exactly. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's get to uh, let's get back up here, Ryan. We got a lot more here. Let's go. Let's roll. Next
1: questions from John A. One who said between Andrew Kristofic and Rocco Spindler, who has the highest ceiling between the pair? Who's closest to their ceiling between them?
2: There's two answers for that one. Who has the highest ceiling? I still think it's Rocco. Uh, who who is closest to their ceiling? Andrew, definitely. He's older, yeah. older, and just more fundamentally sound and more consistent. You know, I just, I, yeah, that'd be my answer. Rocco, more upside. Andrew Christofic, closer to his ceiling, would be where I'd go.
1: Man, I, I, I think it's definitely. I think Andrew's definitely closer to his ceiling because we've actually seen him play a ton as well, too. Yeah. Right. Where it's like Rocco, we haven't really seen. Right. So, like, who knows what his ceiling is? 100 percent. You haven't really seen him. Right. And game reps for offensive linemen just means so much. Right. So I would say the upside probably goes to Rocco. I mean, sorry, the the closer to the ceiling probably goes to Christophic. Still think that Kristavic has a little bit of upside, man. I still think like he's a good athlete. Mm-hmm. But I I probably defer, yeah. I probably go with the same thing you said, though, just because Rocco's still younger, still he just isn't close to as good as he could be, in my opinion. All right, let's go. Uh, here we go. Next question is from Andrew Rhodes. Thank you for the question. Hey guys, what are your favorite types of tacos? Making carne asada and El Pastor tacos for Cinco de Mayo, but mine are Birria tacos. I don't know what Birria is. Do you know what Birria is?
2: I don't. I honestly don't. Birria,
1: maybe? I don't know. uh,
2: I don't. Honestly, Andrew, I don't know enough about different types of tacos. Like, to me. I I have an answer. To me, tacos, I've eaten very few tacos from anywhere other than Taco Bell. Or homemade wow, tacos really? in my life. No, I mean, I, dude, I grew up in Northwest
1: Ohio. Where was I going to get see, actual Mexican food? See, man, I'm, I'm a little bit of a taco snob, man. Yeah. we go to a place called Banditos, Stans.
2: but we'd go there on Sunday for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, my wife would like, I remember we went to on a cruise once a long time ago, and we stopped in Mexico. I think it was like Cabo or someplace in Mexico. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know what kind of food I like. Mex- I like Mexican, but it doesn't like me. And I didn't want <laughs> to have that deal with that on a cruise, you know, when I'm on a ship. And so I was like, uh, I'll just get some tacos. I'm like, these are not tacos. I'm me, the American from Ohio is telling them that these aren't, ta- I mean, I didn't really tell them that cause I wasn't that rude, but I'm like, these aren't real tacos, but like those actually are real tacos. The stuff I get at Taco Bell are not real tacos, but yeah. Um, I don't, I couldn't, t- I do love
1: carne asada, but I've only ever, only ever had those in a burrito. I've never actually had those in a taco. Apparently, apparently Berea or, I don't know how you pronounce that. Apparently, it's goats. Someone said in the chat. So mm. there you go. So mine is mine is corn. I think goats are
2: adorable, so I can't do
1: it. Yes. Corn tortilla, carne asada. I want a little chopped onion. I want cilantro. I want the lime. I'm good to go. A little bit of salsa in there, if you want, if you please. That's good. As long as it's spicy, then
2: I am so, cooking, man. When you I'm say cooking. corn tortilla, you talking about a hard that's shell good. or soft shell? Soft shell tortilla, always. Okay. always I can soft only soft do. Soft do. Soft. I like flour tortillas best for soft shells. I like the corn tortillas for the hard shells. I like the flour tortillas for the soft shells. But yeah.
1: Oh man, just good. A good authentic corn tortilla is yeah, yeah man. It's just good. Don't, don't and you like got it. and you got to go with the onion, cilantro, lime combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm
2: not a big I'm not a big lime guy if I if it's a dominant flavor. Yeah, but that's I can. Yeah, my wife likes that kind of stuff. Sean Kelly asked Ryan, when do the non early enrollees get on campus? Also, when will spring practice officially begin? spring practice is over. I think you meant summer practice. Gotcha. And so the players, I think the 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 returners, I believe, are coming back around June 5th. And the freshmen usually come a couple days after that. Yep. Yep. Because there's like. You know, Summer school starts for veterans, and then, then the freshmen come later. And so it's that first week and two of June is when they'll show up, and then they start workouts pretty soon after that. So they'll have most of June, and then all of July. Where Most of July, there'll be like breaks, and then it's over, and then they'll go home for a week or two, and then come back. But uh, first week of June is when you can expect to start seeing people get back on campus.
1: Yep, yep. And next question is from Notre Dame 2164, says – on a scale of zero to ten, zero being no chance, ten being for sure it is going to happen. Knowing just what you know right now, what are your chances of flipping Caleb Beasley? Of course, is the cornerback out of the state of Tennessee that is committed to the University of Tennessee right now. I mean,
2: are they? What are the chances of zero of one to ten? Zero being no chance, ten being for sure. I'd say right now five six. I was going to say
1: like right in the middle, yeah, like five, right in the somewhere. middle. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of work
2: to be done, but he's still listening to. Look, I'll say this. If Caleb Beasley was committed to Notre Dame and had the relationship with Tennessee that he now has with Notre Dame, I'd be very nervous about him leaving the class and going to Tennessee. Yep. Right. And, And so, yeah, five or six, which is enough to make you nervous if you're a Tennessee fan, but not enough to make you too, too excited yet if you're a Notre
1: Dame fan. He mind. has a good relationship with several of the commits in the class. Yeah. He listens to Notre Dame. He has a high respect for the Notre Dame coaches. And he's he been back on back. campus yeah. since
2: he committed. Yes, correct. All the things that would concern the heck out of us if we were, if he was, if it was if the roles were reversed. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ryan, here we go. Let's uh, let's get back on to some uh, college football stuff.
1: Ryan Schulte said, morning, fellas. It's afternoon, sir. Who do you well, have? When he ha- ans- asked the question, it was still like in the 12s, I believe. True. So it might in be his defense. where it is. And yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Who do you have as Georgia and Alabama's toughest regular season opponent this year? I think Georgia's is Tennessee, but I'm torn between Texas and LSU for Alabama. Well, that's a... I need to look at the schedule. Yeah, so yeah.
2: I'll, I'll go ahead and go through it real quick, Ryan. I'll tell you, here's the yeah. Alabama schedule. They're home against Middle Tennessee, home against Texas, at US, US, uh, South Florida, home against Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, home against Arkansas, home against Tennessee, home against LSU, at Kentucky, home against Chattanooga, at Auburn. I think their two toughest games this year are going to be Texas and, and LSU. Yeah, LSU's,
1: yeah. Because that's like a little bit of a revenge game for Alabama, mm-hmm. right? But it's also... LSU should be a pretty good team this year, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah, that might be my pick.
2: Well, and you know who's played Alabama really tough each of the last two years is Texas AM. They have, they have, I mean, really the last three years, I believe, because didn't they have a close game? And no, I guess I actually got that one wrong. They beat them pretty good in 2020, I believe, but, um, uh, yeah. but in 2021, uh, they went out and beat them. And remember, that was the year where, uh, um, uh, that, there was like a lot of talk, and you know, Jimbo. You know, Jimbo had kind of run his mouth that off season, and you're like, man, boy, you don't want to do that. Alabama's going to smack you, and
3: yeah. then
2: they went out and lost. Yep. And then this year, you're like, okay, it's revenge. He's going to be mad, and then look what happens. Like they barely say, won. Man. Now again, there was no. no Bryce Young that game, right? Sure. I mean, that was the sure. one game they didn't have Bryce Young, but still, like, man. But uh so they play at AM. That's always or they play uh at yeah, at AM. So that that'll make it interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious how much control he's gonna give Bobby Petrino. To me, that's gonna be the thing that determines how good Texas AM this year, is this year. Is does he truly allow Bobby Petrino to run that offense? Because Bobby Petrino is not a good person. It's really good offense. Awesome supposedly he's you know gotten over some of the, but he's just not someone I would really care to have much of a personal relationship with but right he's one of the 10 best offensive minds
1: in the game right now of
2: college in the game college football right now in my opinion yeah
1: so he's he's a brilliant offensive mind and he's a really good quarterback developer as well i mean and he he saw something lamar jackson a lot of people didn't
2: yeah i mean let's be honest about that right like a lot of people would have looked at lamar jackson like now i'm moving him somewhere else and petrino's like no i can make that guy quarterback Yeah, And he didn't try to turn him into a read option guy either. I mean, he ran him a lot, but he also turned him into a guy that was back-to-back 3,000-yard passer. A lot of people wouldn't allow him to do that either. So, uh, yeah, he's a great offensive mind. He really is. He really is. No doubt. All right, let's get – here we go. Here's one, Ryan.
1: John A1 says, if all the tight ends are healthy in the fall, which 12 personnel set of tight ends have the most complementary skill sets? I I think Mitchell Evans and – Holden Stace would be an incredibly complimentary skill set. I mean, because you're looking at Mitchell, he's a 6'5 plus, 260-pound tight end that can play more in line. Holden Stace is a little bit more of that move tight end. You can put him in the slot at times. You can motion him across the formation. You can do a lot of different things. I will say this. I mean, if we're talking about everyone healthy, Eli Raritan could – Assume similar roles to that as well, and he also brings a little bit more length to the equation. But mm-hmm. I would say, of what we know right now, I think Mitchell Evans and Hold Stace would be a really complementary skill set.
2: Yeah, Ryan, I um, I think you pick you pick up you pick either of you you take either Stace, I mean, excuse me, uh, Mitchell Evans or Eli Raridan, and then yeah. as on one side, picky the one of them. And then the other side have Holden Stace, and that's where that's your answer. Yeah. I mean, R- Raritan
1: and Stace would be a really interesting one. So yeah. They were both, yeah.
2: That, that, yeah. That'd be, that'd be where I, be where, that's where I would be. It would be with that one, just either one of those. And the reason I kind of like the, I think the reason down the road I really love the idea of the Raritan, uh Stace one is because they're, they're both strong blockers, like at a young age in yeah. high school, they were where Mitchell was going to have to learn to block a little bit because he was a quarterback. But, you know, any any of those combos. I mean, it, you could even say there's some complimentary nature to Eli and Mitchell Evans because Eli is a guy that, if he's healthy, is a vertical weapon. Yes. Where Mitchell's more of a work the middle of the field run. He's a good route runner. He's a complimentary player to, to Eli as well. So there's yeah. a lot of different combinations you can go with that. And that's what I like. It's one of the things I like about that group, to be honest with you. Very diverse group. Very diverse yeah. group. This is a very interesting, um, very interesting question here.
1: Scott Scott L says, Are there any actions alum sorry, actions alums or other fans can take which will help improve Notre Dame football? Petition to run off palace, joking, pressure administration to upgrade mental health care and training table for a team.
2: I think it's all of it. Number one is I mean, just it kind of comes down to my overarching problem. With Notre Dame football, Ryan, is there's too many people that are just okay being good, and just don't want to rock the boat, and you get people complain, oh, you're too hard in the administration. Well, why shouldn't I be? I mean, do you have you just have you just given up on being good again? There's so many people that have just bought the whole. Well, Notre Dame can't win anymore, and I just reject that. I just I fundamentally reject that, and so many so many reasons. But to me, it's just about stop looking at the football team as something that you're somehow somewhat quasi behind the scenes ashamed of is really what it comes down to and start treating your football team like you treat every other part of your uh, supposedly every other part of your campus right so if you're going to say well we really value being the best academic school we can be and we're going to commit the resources to that when our endowments this and we're building this new building and we hire this professor and we do all these kind of things right then why shouldn't you treat your sports programs like that? I I just think if you're gonna and this is why the Ivy Leagues disgust me, right? Like you only have sports basically because they're money makers. You 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 act like you're too high and mighty. If you're going to be an institution of excellence, then you should strive for excellence in everything that you do. You know you should have you should be the best at everything. What's wrong with that? Uh, you know why why not going to have the best dorms? What why? You have the best students. Why shouldn't you be doing things to make sure that their lives are more convenient and better, you know, better, more conducive to good learning environments or whatever the case may be? That's silly. That's dumb. That's, I don't know what that, what that comes from, but that's dumb. And if you're someone who says, we we strive for excellence, we're about Notre Dame being the best that it can be. Well, why aren't you willing, why are you so ashamed of having a a coaching staff that's the highest paid college football? Because if you wanted it, you could have it. If Notre Dame wanted to have a top five paid coaching staff, trust me, I know enough people that would be the ones paying for that. Believe me they'd have no problem raising the money to pay the coaches more. But here's a problem, for example. My understanding is, and I could be wrong, and a friend of mine who who is going to tell me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people that I talk to who are donors have said, when I give money to something or even something is like uh, endowing a, a position, I can't guarantee that all that money is actually going to go to that because they have the right to take that money and put it somewhere else. That's what the people that give the money believe. Now, maybe someone in the endowment can tell me that I'm wrong, but that's the perception that people that give money believe. They can somewhat direct it there to a degree, but the school can decide that they're going to take other things because they have a budget. This is what our budget is. We're going to spend this much on coaches. And so if people give us money for coaches beyond what we said was our budget, then we're just going to take that money and use it for something else. As opposed to saying, hey, look, we need to make sure we have the highest, you know, the top five. We should always have a top five highest paid coach. I'm not talking about the head coach. I'm talking about the assistant coaches. And and say, hey, we need to make sure that that we're not going to keep up with Alabama and Georgia when it comes to. We're going to have these ridiculously stupid, unnecessarily gaudy foot sports facilities. OK, fine. Whatever. I don't care about that. We're, we're not going to do use NIL for enticement. Cool. I'm with you on that. I'm going to support that. Uh, we're. we're but that's fine. But everything that we talk that you and ever I talk about with the administration is always pro player. Don't tell me you're pro student athlete. Don't tell me you're pro player. Don't tell me you support students doing this, this and this. You should have the absolute best NIL program possible for your current players. So you don't want to give it to, to athlete just to, to recruit. Fine. I'm, I support that. But why is the person that I am, that I believe from what I've been told by, by people that the parents and stuff, the person that's, and I don't want to say it, the name, because I'm not 100% sure that this is the case. But the person that I've been told is the front person for NIL inside the sports program, it's an absolute freaking joke that that person is in charge of that. An absolute freaking joke. It tells me you're not actually serious about this. You're not. Why would you not invest what you need to invest to make sure that your student athletes are are the, are the getting the best NIL support as an institution? Why do you not strive if we don't have the best Mental health situation in college football. Then we're not doing this right. If we don't have the best academic support, oh, you do have that. Cool. Then how about you treat these other things the way that you treat that part of it? Why, 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 why is it wrong to say, hey, look, we're going to make sure that our support staff in football is as good and as well compensated as anybody in college football? What's the problem with that? Doesn't that help your players? Isn't that at the end of the day, if I have the, a top five nutrition program, a top five support staff, a top five training staff? A top five coaching staff and all those other things. And I have a, and, and I'm always making sure that my facilities are up to date. Who's who is the most aided by that, Brian? Who benefits the most from all of that? It's the players, right? So, what are you against? Players. Oh, I'm, I'm against doing <laughs> yeah. everything that we can do to make sure that our players have the best opportunities available. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? And and it's it's getting out of the, that, that mindset. So if there was any people that could could petition that had any sway to say, hey, I don't understand why you have this absurd. Well, we're an academic institution. Then get rid of sports. Just get rid of sports altogether. If you're going to be like Ivy League, for the love of God, just get rid of sports. If you're going to be that anti-football and just get rid of it, just stop playing it. You know, and and you know all these other things. And I, I, that's my frustration with Notre Dame. Right? Is this this well, we have to do this, or, well, this person didn't care about football, so I – stop, just stop, right? Okay, because, like, the reality is you're not going to get 80,000 people to pay what they pay and buy drinks and parking to go watch a quiz bowl team perform inside the stadium or to watch a bunch of kids take a math test or science test. That doesn't mean those kids aren't incredibly valuable because those kids someday are going to be the ones giving back to pay for the football program because they love their institution and they love the football program, right? Right? And, and so it doesn't mean that they're not valued, but you value them in this way. You make sure that they have all the resources they need over here. Why are we not doing that for the football players? And the, the Why did it take so long for the basketball team? Keeping in mind a women's basketball team has won multiple national championships, and for a decade, Muffet McGraw had that team. With the exception of UConn, there was no team better over the course of a decade. Why did it take so long for you to finally get them better facilities? Why? Because you don't care. Because you're not serious. When you say you strive for excellence, it's just this. It's just words. Because money is – is you say, well, it's just money. – yes, money is important because money is how I get the best people. Jack Swarbrick's one of the highest-paid athletic directors. Fact. So he can be the one of the highest-paid people, but we can't have the coaching – the assistant coaches staff who are honestly one of the primary drivers of why the athletic director position at Notre Dame means anything. Because here's the thing. If Notre Dame football was just like Purdue – Is that an as an attractive of a job as it is right now? Does anybody talk about? Does anybody care what the Purdue athletic director thinks about the college football playoff? But when Jack Swarbrick speaks on it, people care. Why? Is it because of his work with the uh, U.S. women's gymnastics? I don't think so. It's because he's the athletic director at Notre Dame. That's why. That's true. Yeah. So why are we not treating all those things? Hey, we're going to make sure that our sports programs have the best of the best. Because we do that for our students. We do that for the people in our business program. We do that people in these other programs. We make sure that they have everything needed to be go be phenomenal at what they want to do. Why don't you treat sports that way? Why is it beneath you to do that? And that's what I would hope that a more alums would do is hold them to a higher standard. God forbid we actually hold them to a higher standard. God forbid we hold them to live up to the words that they say. We want to be a champion. Then act like it and i don't think they do.
1: Yeah. Am i wrong, Ryan? Thoughts? You're not wrong. I mean, it, it, we we've had this conversation all long season, man. Yeah. Like this is where we are. I mean, literally uh, the whole offensive coordinator debacle, like we can go back to a bunch of different supports that weren't put in place. I mean, you can't just you can't expect Notre Dame to be the premier program of college football if not everybody is on the same boats consistently, right? right? And that's I'm sure that there's frustration in a lot of different spots in the program behind the scenes, but just, uh, just, I don't know if that change is ever going to come, man. Like, I am just like, what's going to elicit that change. I mean, I just, I I have no confidence that that better leadership change in that better leadership.
2: uh, And then the, 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 the money people demanding it. Yeah. That's how it changes. Right. I mean, Hey, I'm not going to give you any more money until you actually start doing this. You want my $10 million. Cool. Then let me. Then then you let me tell you where this ten million dollars is going to go, right? Otherwise, don't do it. The problem is, I guess it's not a problem. The reason that they get away with is because the people that give the money love Notre Dame so much they'd rather deal with that than not give them the money at all because they just like Tom. You know, Tom Mendoza loves Notre
0: Dame. Loves Notre Dame. Sure.
2: And so sometimes I don't think he's willing to hold people accountable in a way that he could if he wanted to. Because he loves Notre Dame, and I know some other big, big money people that are the same way, uh, where you know they'll only be they'll be critical to a point, but they'll only go so far because they just they love Notre Dame. The, the option of not giving is not an option to them because I love Notre Dame too much. I love the kids, I love the students. I'd rather make an impact here, even though it's not necessarily where I want to be, because I love Notre Dame, and that allows them to get away with things that I just wish they weren't allowed to get away with. To be honest with you, and. Um, I'm going to keep saying it until it changes. And if it never changes, then I'm going to always talk about it. Yeah. But I'm sorry. Notre Dame is a place that should should demand excellence in everything that they do. And, and, and again, I'm not talking about silly stuff. Like, I don't need a slide in the facilities. I don't need, you know, 87 video games in the lo- – that's all I'm talking about. Those sleep chamber things, those those need to be there. Like like that LSU does, but why? Yeah, they not because cool. it's cool. Cause that's actually good for them. Like that actually helps their bodies be at peak condition. Right. I mean, you know, great. You know, those type of things I, I say, okay, now that's pretty cool. Now, do you need one for every single player? No, you know, you don't, but you should have enough to where you're always, it, it you know, it's you can have guys doing it. So, I mean, and they do some of that stuff, but they always do enough to say they're doing it. This is the problem. They always do enough of that stuff to say, well, we, we've got that. Yeah, you got five, they got 60, you know, you know what I mean? Like what's the explanation for you only having five, you can't give me 20, you know? And that's the thing that frustrates me. Like, why is the, why is the Goog not being renovated right now? What you're telling me you haven't been able lot- to raise $50 million. It's not a, because it's not a priority for you. It's, it's, it's this. A lot of, a lot
1: of, a lot of people have been asking that question. Yeah, It's a
2: verbal so, priority. Yeah. It's not an yeah. actual priority. So th- those are, those are, that's people know, like, if I want to get if I want to get um Coach D fired up or I want to get Brian fired up, they know that to start asking about the administration, because that's definitely going to that's <laughs> definitely going to get me fired up. There's there's no doubt about that. All right, let's go up here, Ryan. We got one from uh, from John A1.
1: John says, in my opinion, to win or compete for a championship, Sam Hartman will have to elevate the passing game and put the wide receivers and tight ends on his shoulders, the run game is what will lighten the load from him, for him overall. Second part.
2: I don't Oh, here we go.
1: On offense, can Sam Hart, can Sam Hartman elevate the pass game to a championship level at Notre Dame? How much is on Jared Parker to add, to aid him in doing that?
2: Well, there's definitely something on Sam on on Jared Parker. I mean, look, the job of a, and yes yeah. yeah, I mean the, yeah. the job of an of an assistant coach is to put your players in the best position to be successful yeah and so you know making sure that the game plan is geared towards sam's strengths making sure that that you're you know coaching him in a way that allows him to play disciplined football but also play loose football those are all parts of coaching uh, and then it's up to Sam to go make the plays does Sam Hartman have the ability to, to elevate those around him? I would say yeah, absolutely. I think he's proven Thanks that. So. I think he's he's proven that at Wake Forest. And it, like I look at one of the one of the things that I like that Pro Football Focus does cuz there's a lot of things they do that I don't like, but one of the things they do that I do like is they have a wins above re- replacement type of thing, right? He was led college football last year. I mean there was nobody that 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 they viewed as more impactful to that team winning more games than they should have than Sam Hartman. And I think that's accurate. He won't have to be that guy that carries them every single week to, to you know, to, to victory. He, like we said before, he won't have to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns and still have to and have to worry about losing, like he did Wake Forest. I've pointed that out. It's not a, it's not hyperbole. We've pointed yeah. that out. They've scored over 50 points twice and over 34 points last year. And he threw for over 300 yards and had four touchdowns against North Carolina last year. and They lost. He led Wake Forest to 50 points in each of the two previous years against Wake Forest against North Carolina, and they lost. It's not a problem at Notre Dame. It's not a problem against anybody they, they play, and so, but there will be times Ryan where he's going to have to elevate the people around him, yep, and he's going to have to do that. Show they can do that when the when it matters a little bit more than it did at Wake Forest. But I think he's capable of it, and it's up to the coaches to make sure he has all the resources and tools that he needs, uh, and the, and the system is built in a way that allows him to maximize his potential. So very good question, John, but I, you know, I think he has the ability to do it now. Is he going to do it the same way that Caleb Williams does it, Ryan? No, no, the same way that Drake may does it. No, he's going to be, you know, it's a, we, we said this earlier, Mac Jones and Sam Hartman are different players in a lot of ways, but in this regard, they're very similar. They're going to elevate people around them with their mind and their arm where Caleb Williams can do that, that as well. But then he also has the, the leg, the leg ability to do it. Drake may has the leg ability to do it. There's, uh, there's lots of different ways to be great. Dan Marino could carry a franchise with his arm. John Elway could do it with everything. It just, it's different. Joe Montana could do it with more of his mind and his arm, where Steve Young did it more with his legs as well. There's different ways to be great. You just got to be able to play to your strengths and then lift the people around you. And I think that's where you'll see, how can a quarterback who's not a dynamic athlete lift to make everyone around him better? Go watch Mac Jones in 2020. Not just what he did with Devontae Smith, but look what he did with Slade Bolden and John Mechie. Go look at guys like that. Go look at Tom Brady. You know, There's a way to do it where you're not a run around all day, John Elway, Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham type of guy. And that's what Sam Hartman can do, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I think it really comes down to the support around him. I mean, to your point, Brian, right? Like the Wake Forest support was not amazing. I mean, there were some good players, like there always are on every team. But, I mean – As long as Chancey Stuckey has his room at a high level here, as long as Gino Gadulli and Jared Parker have a strong plan in place. And as long as they dial it up, man, there's going to be opportunities, I think. uh, So, yeah, to to John, to your question, I think that he can elevate. Uh, Of course, we haven't seen it in Notre Dame uniform yet, but I'm very hopeful for what he can accomplish at Notre Dame. There's no doubt. Yeah,
2: here's a. Here's here's an interesting one, Ryan. I'm going to read this because I want to get your immediate response because you're a defensive guy. So I yes. I think this one might be interesting. Irish blooded asks, more
1: fun to watch a lights out defense or an unstoppable air raid? Oh, I mean for me, it's a defense, and I mean it, I wouldn't even say air raid. Irish blooded, like I think that for me, an, a great offense is like kind of like poetry in motion. Like it's beautiful yeah. to watch, right? Like yeah. everything works off of one another, and you're it, it's really cool. But I love a fast aggressive defense that is just lights out and just kind of uh, cuz i think you can just admire just how much athleticism is on the field for a defense you know making a guy spill to the outside then here comes you know some angles of pursuit to the perimeter here's a corner that has to you know play outside contain and make sure that there's nothing that has to get that has to get funneled back inside i feel like it just plays off of one another just at such a high level to great defenses so i mean i would go defense but again i am biased but i i just think that there's something just truly chaotic and wonderful about a defense working together and just spilling guys to different spots. And you're just like, oh, that guy has no place to go here, man. Like not a single spot to go.
2: You're going to be surprised by my answer. I aesthetically enjoy a wonderful offense. A really well-coached, schemed, executed offense is a thing of beauty. It's like watching a fast-breaking basketball, man. It is just, well, that was a thing of beauty. But if we're talking about over the course of a game, the thing football is still a, a, a physical game and to me the two things that i enjoy the most watching on football is a phenomenal physical ground attack and a lights out defense because you can't be a lights out defense just on scheme you at some point in time you got to be able to just just beat the other just team go. up yeah <laughs> and just, just beat them up and that's what's so good about georgia's 2022 defense is they just could beat you down it, it yeah they had talent and scheme and all but they were just physically, I'm going to destroy you today. Sorry, but it's happening, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like what Notre Dame did to Clemson this year with their ground game was beautiful. Now, I would like to be able to see that and throw for 250 yards, but just sure. that by itself was a thing of beauty. But I felt like that's what Georgia's front seven did every game to people. And, and that's a fun thing to watch, man. When those all 11 are – because there's a level to defense that's also sort of a – uh, uh, it's an it's a it's an orchestra, man. It's like it's like every it's got a timed right, and this guy's got to be here, and it's it, you got to be assignment correct. But at the end of the day, what is what does every great defense have in common, Ryan? They're physical. Yeah. Have you ever seen a great defense that wasn't physical? I see a lot, and this is what to his specific question: an unstoppable air raid to me is not something that I'm overly attracted to. It's just there's no physicality to it. It's 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 just, sure I can appreciate it and respect the genius behind it. But it's nothing physical about it. There, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing that to me that just impresses me about it. A great there's I've never seen a great defense that wasn't physical. I just, and that's to me ultimately what football is all about. That's why I hate the rules in the NFL. I mean, as an offensive guy, you'd think I'd love the NFL. It's passing and scoring. And I hate it. Because at the end of the day, what do we have pads on for? You know, it, it, football's still a game that's meant to be physical. And when you can be great and schemed and, and fundamentally sound and all that, but still also just I'm going to I'm going to beat you and I'm going to pound you and I'm going to physically dominate you. And you're going to try to stop me and, and just know that there's nothing you can do about it. it. You know, it's like my one of the questions we had, I'm going to bring it up now because it actually kind of fits in with this. Where, where is the question? It's the question about our favorite movies of the 80s. Right. What is your favorite movie of the '80s? Here we go from Brian. Guys, favorite '80s movie. My favorite '80s movie is Harlem Nights. You ever seen that, Ryan? Yep. With okay. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red. Five. I mean, just an all-star cast of guys. But there's that scene where the the, the heavyweight champion is getting ready going there against that that dude, and he's like, you know, he starts stuttering. He's like, "Don't take this whooping personally." Like to me, that's like what a great defense does. Like, hey guys, just don't take this butt whooping personally because yeah. it's gonna happen. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it ain't personal. It's just me being me. And that's what a great defense is. And to me, that's my favorite thing in football to watch. It's just a, a, a great dominant defense. That's great because they play the game the right way. Like basketball, it's different. I hate great defense in basketball because usually great defense in basketball is physical. And basketball to me is not meant to be a like I the worst era of basketball was the late 80s, early 90s when the Pistons were dominant. I hated basketball then because it's like that's not basketball. That's like football without pads. That's not basketball. Oh, come on, man. You know? Give Bill Lambeer some credit, man. <sighs> that's a joke. I know he's a Notre Dame guy, but screw it. Not every alum's great, you know? And he wasn't, but that's not basketball. Like 80s basketball was physical, but it was still an, an art. It was an art form. You'd watch the Lakers and Celtics go on fast breaks against each other, and the ball might hit the ground once. Yeah. You know, and just that's an art form. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy that. But I I just like, I still love the physicality of football. I do. I really do. Yep. All right. Here's, here we go, Ryan. Let's get to some more here. We got a bunch. Let's get to some more.
1: Uh, We had one about the offer here. Here we go. Here's one from Bailey Brad. Bailey Brad said, have you had a chance to check out the cornerback out of Ben Davis, Mark Zachary, they just offered? I haven't seen him quite yet. I have, yeah. But I'm going to take a look He's pretty
2: good, Ryan, for a sophomore. He's uh, skinny. He's very skinny. Six foot one fifty five. Uh, I think he's listed he as six at. foot. I don't know if he's quite was quite that on film. He looked about Maybe a 5'11-ish, uh skinny. Yeah. Good, good, pretty good technique for a kid that age. Plays the ball very well, gets his hands on a lot of footballs. Uh, don't see him really transition a ton. He had, seems to have good speed for his age. There's a lot to like there. I I, I like what I see now. Am I ready to like take a commitment from him right now? Probably not. I'd have to watch a little bit more film before I'd be willing to say that. But there's some good initial stuff, right? And for a little guy, he plays a pretty physical style of coverage for a skinny kid. that's only about a buck 65, but I like it. There's some stuff to like. There's definitely yeah. some stuff to like. Now, again, Bailey Brad, I haven't watched like I haven't studied all of his film. I watched about a minute and a half of his highlights. So keep that in mind, I about basically about a minute and a half of highlights. There's some definitely some stuff that I saw. But here's the deal, guys. If you can't get impressed by somebody after a minute and a half of highlights, he's probably not a guy that you want. You don't need to then go watch game film, right? I've always said this. When I was recruiting, the first thing I would watch is game is is highlights. Well, why would you do that? Because if I can't get excited about you from your highlights, then why do I need to waste time watching your game film?
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. The very best of you supposed to be the very best. It helps
2: me weed out some other film that I'm not going to waste my time watching this kid. If your highlights don't impress me, then your game film's not going to impress me. Now that's a not necessarily true from linemen. I'm talking like skill players, linebackers, guys like that. You know, if, yeah. if your if your highlights aren't impressive, then why should I spend the next five hours breaking down all your film? You know, so uh, pass, Yep. hard pass. Okay, let's get to some more here, Ryan. Um,
1: let's go here. Let's go here. Here's an interesting non-football one from Ryan Schulte. Ryan Schulte says, fun one, my students have been asking this question. Need you two to be the final say who you got in a fight, a gorilla or a grizzly bear? I have no idea. I I think a gorilla. I think a gorilla personally. Okay. Why? Gorillas. I I forget. There's like some statistic out there where basically they're the strongest animal pound for pound or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's some crazy, like their grip strength is like some of the most insane thing you've ever heard. And Mm -hmm. they have imposable thumbs as well that'll come in handy in this fight in my opinion i think they're
2: strong if they can get a if they can get a bear in a chokehold they might have a shot Uh, the reason i would kind of go with a grizzly bear is grizzly bears tend to be bigger they're bigger uh grizzly bears have claws gorillas do not gorillas have more like more hands and feet like you'd see in like a you know human being kind of thing and um i would i would i would imagine they're faster as well i would imagine yeah, I would imagine they're a little faster than a gorilla.
1: I'm not sure about that. But maybe. um not yeah, sure
2: I would I'd be curious about that. But uh the claws, the teeth are gonna be I mean, gorillas have big teeth, but I think I think bears have a little bit bigger jaws. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so they're just I think bigger the, in general. Yeah, I just I think that would be the advantage. I think it'd be kind of like if it'd be kind of like if um uh, if you got into a fight with an MMA guy that's maybe you're bigger and stronger than. But he knows the techniques and if he gets you in that one move, like if he gets around you behind you and gets you in that chokehold, you're out. I don't care. Yep. You know what I mean? But I, I would tend to think of a grizzly bear over a gorilla. I, I
1: think the gorilla, the the they're going to start throwing poop at the grizzly. They're going to hit it in the eye. <laughs> He's had some blinded. very weird
2: tanks today. Like you're talking I mean, about they, boogers I mean, now mo- you're talking about poop. What, what
1: Chimpan- is chimpanzees and okay. monkeys and everything. Okay. They do throw poop. I mean, we can't. Okay. We can't we're we're we going to go ahead and move we on from that. That's how you know someone's
2: that. lost an argument when they start talking about that right there. So, <laughs> so Am I wrong?
1: Am I wrong? Go. That's the question. Let's move on. Just let's just move said, on. How confident are you? How confident are you? Notre Dame finishing with a monumental finish and land Justin Scott, Elijah rushing and Logan Thomas.
2: Well, I would, I would say the caveat that I would say to that Ryan is if you're going to say monumental finish, you need to have Malachi Williams as one of the options there. And for me, it would be if you get Justin Scott and, and two of Elijah rushing, Logan Thomas or Malachi Williams, you give me two of those three edges and Justin Scott, that's, you're not going to have a better defensive line class in the country, in my opinion, because I think Cole Mullins is a top 150 guy. It's my opinion. I think Cole, I have Cole Mullins graded out as a top 150 guy. I have Owen Wafel graded out as a 150 guy. I think the one Ryan will probably agree with me on is the Owen Waifel one. I think that's definitely one you on, You and I are on the same page yeah. on. Yep. I've said this about Elijah Rushing, and, and Elijah Rushing is one of the best ends in the class, if not the best edge in the class. And I don't know if there's a, a defensive lineman in the country with a higher ceiling than Malachi Williams. I, I don't. And we're talking about Penn State earlier. This is the kind of kid Penn State gets all the time. And just yes. he just, you know, he I hate it. I want some of those guys to start coming to Notre Dame. And uh and Logan Thomas to me, especially I've seen some of this, some of the winter workouts he's had, Ryan. He's starting to fill out that frame a little bit. He's really long. Those three are all those three are all gap closers to me. And, and I and I've come around a little bit on Logan Thomas, you know, sophomore film. I didn't love his sophomore film, junior films better. And then you see some of the camp stuff and I start to really get excited about his potential. But, uh, yeah, I mean, how h- how confident are we that they can do it, though? That's the question. I, I It's possible. I mean, a I, I, matter of fact, at this point in time of those four, I'll be surprised that they don't get two of them. I was going to say, I feel pretty
1: time. good about them getting two out of four. But, right. I mean, three out of four gets a little dicey at that
2: point. Right. But yeah. That, that'll be tougher. Yep. But I mean, to me, I, I think two of those four are certainly possible. And and, and I'd be yep. actually a little surprised if they don't get two of those four. I, I think they're in a good, really good position with Logan Thomas. And I still think they lead for Justin Scott. Now, again, we got to see where, what happens come decision time. And then we got to see what happens on signing day. And I get all that. But. I think right now they're the team
1: to beat for both of those guys in my opinion if they so. get three out of four though the guys we're talking about then that is the best Notre Dame defensive line haul in I mean since a few years
2: <laughs> I mean you have to go back
1: to the Lou holzer I mean it's better than the two it's better than the 2011 class
2: no question because now you've got dominance yeah. inside and outside because yep. here's the thing if you give me two of those three, I would argue that edge class can match is 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 in the conversation of the 2011 edge class of Aaron Lynch, Stefan to and Eshaq Williams rushing or Williams, Logan Thomas, Cole Mullins and Bryce young. That foursome is in the conversation, but the 2011 interior class isn't even in the same universe as the Justin Scott Owen wayful combination. Yeah. In my opinion, that's the difference. 2011 still probably has the better edge group from high school based on high school rankings and high school film. It's still slightly Aaron Lynch was a stud. Stephon Tuitt was a stud. Ishak was a pretty darn good player as well. But this group can at least be in the conversation with that edge group. Ryan, would you agree with that? Yes. It's at least in the conversation. If they get if they get Def- two of those, definitely three upside.
1: Guys. Definitely upside. Right? Guys. Like it's insane.
2: Yeah. But it's the combination of the inside out that would make yeah. that the best D line class in in a long long time. And I would argue that I, if I they mean, just get Scott and Thomas, this is one of, one better of your ones. better D line classes in a while. Because, again, same thing with the 2011 group. The interior is significantly better than the interior. I mean, it was Chase Hounsel and Tony Springman and guys like that. Solid the partners, edge class, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Depth players. Yeah. Whereas now you're getting two starters and a star, potential star inside, and you've got a lot of talent on the edge as well. You're starting to get into that
1: conversation. But Justin Scott's the key.
2: Justin Scott
1: opinion. is – what, the best interior defensive lineman Notre Dame would sign since? I mean,
2: Sheldon Day was pretty good, I would yeah. say. He's going to be ranked higher than Sheldon Day. Sheldon Day was a better high school football player than Justin Scott was. Justin yeah. Scott's the better prospect because yes. of the size, but Sheldon Day was pretty freaking good. He'd be the best one since Sheldon, Sheldon Day. Day. Yeah. You could argue he's better than Sheldon Day from an upside standpoint, and you'd be 100% correct. Sheldon yeah. Day was a heck of a high school football player and a, and a pretty darn good top 50-ish caliber prospect, in my opinion. And when he was healthy at the end of his career, he was pretty darn good. Oh, Sean Day well. was really
1: good at the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, 15 and a half tackles for losses last year. It's pretty, d- and, and not a lot of sacks. That's that's what I loved about him. I mean, could you – and what, what I loved about him too is you could tell in games when he was just kind of saying, F it, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, I mean, that's what you had to do sometimes playing for Brian Van Gorder. There would be games where yeah. you just knew Sheldon Day didn't do what he was supposed to do, but he knew what was coming, and he was just – like, I swear to you, Ryan, I, I watched and started laughing because you'd see the, the whole D line slanting one way, and then Sheldon would slant the opposite the way, way. <laughs> and he'd get in the yeah. backfield and make the stop because it's like he had studied film. He knew what was coming, and he knew the call was stupid. And so he would just kind of go do his own thing and make a tackle for loss. And then there's nothing you could say to him at that point in time. You know, um, you could just tell he was freelancing because he he thought the call was dumb. And that's just my opinion, but it, was, it yeah. seemed so obvious on film that he was doing his own thing. And you kind of had to. You kind of normally I'm against that, but when, when you're as bad as Brian Van Corder was, it's kind of like, yeah, I kind of get it. I get it. Cause you know, this is a terrible call and it's yeah. not going to work. Uh, and so you're just, I'm going to go make a play. And um, it's one of the things I loved about Shel Sh- Sh- Should be
1: la- lasted a while in the NFL too for yeah, a size guy as he well. Did. So, yeah. yep,
2: he did. Here's one. Here, let's go,
1: Ryan. Irish blood had said since Michigan has beat Ohio State in the last two straights. Why aren't they the bellwether standard as the best Midwest team now?
2: Well, I don't, I don't think – because here's why, in my opinion, Ryan, because the, their claim to fame is still just beating Ohio State. That's it, right? And that's great. I mean, something they not done in a long time. But that's it. That's your claim to fame. You have done, What have you done in the offseason? I mean, yeah. in, the, in the non-conference schedule, I mean. Excuse me. What have you done in the non-conference schedule? I'm supposed to respect the fact that you went out and beat UConn In Hawaii, and Colorado State this year. supposed to respect that because you know what Ohio State did last year? They wouldn't beat Notre Dame because they're actually not unwilling to play good teams now. And that's what's so funny about when Michigan fans talk about, oh, Notre Dame dunked Ohio State or dunked Michigan. I'm like, first of all, shut up. Second of all, have you seen your non-conference schedule lately? So maybe you might want to pipe down a little bit before you start talking to me about non-conference schedule. And then they've gone to the postseason and they've gotten they've gotten beat. They got beat by TCU and got blown up by Georgia last year, where Ohio State can still point to, hey, we have non-conference wins over Oklahoma. We have a non-conference win over Notre Dame. We beat Clemson in the playoff game a couple. We blew out Clemson in a playoff game a couple years ago. We took Clemson down to the wire in 2019. And here's a crazy thought. We have won a national championship in the last 30 years. They've also right. been a
1: more consistent team for a longer amount of right. time. And then also, I mean, you're talking about the standard. The standard also includes stuff like recruiting, right? And right. Ohio State is right. a better recruiting team than right. Michigan historically. I know Michigan has what's, the number one class right now. But,
2: Ryan, what's is. Michigan's big claim to fame for a big victory in the last decade besides beating Ohio State? I mean, again, that's really good, is. but you you get a crack at them every year. You're bound to do it a couple times. Where Ohio State, as I said, they, can, they have a – Here's who Ohio State's beaten in the last ten years: Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Oregon, USC, uh, Utah, Washington. Who you know, obviously, Michigan beaten a bad Utah in the regular season. Like they've beaten a lot of good teams. Who's Michigan beaten outside of Ohio State and Penn State? Right. That that's my whole point. And so that's why you're still – and here's a crazy notion. Ohio State actually has a playoff-era national championship. Michigan has a, has a half a national championship since the end of World War II. A half of one. That's it. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, that's why they're still the standard bearer. Now, Michigan can become that if they not only beat Ohio State but now do something in the postseason. So, but that's also true for Notre Dame. That's why Notre Dame – what have we always said? If Before Notre Dame can become the national champs, they've got to become the best team in the Midwest. Yes. Well, now you got a chance to do that. But if all you do is beat Ohio State, all you are is, you know, okay, you beat them once, but you, you didn't build on that. And at some point in time, the success has to come. Ohio State has beaten the best teams in the country. Who are the best teams? Who have been the best teams in the country the last 10 years? Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. and Alabama. Yeah. Well, they've never played Georgia, or they played Georgia once and they lost by a point in a great game. Georgia smacked Michigan the year before. They've yeah. beaten Alabama, they've beaten Clemson right? What has Michigan done in that time besides beat them, right? They, they haven't, they haven't won those big games. So that's why they're, they're not standard. Now, again, that could change if Michigan goes out there and beats them again this year and and then does something in the playoff, Ryan, then that could, that'll change. Right. But as of right now,
1: you got to do something other than just beating Ohio state to really impress a lot of people. I love this chat sometimes because Patrick Fleming just said Michigan's 1948 championship was BS. Nice. Very nice. Very nice.
2: I, I love this. This this sums it up so much about the difference between Ohio State and Michigan right now. And I think Christopher Crosby nails this. Mi- Michigan is built to beat Ohio State. Ohio State is built to win championships, national championships. Now, that's something Ohio State has to understand. You can't win a championship until you beat Michigan first. Right. But the whole thing is Michigan was so non-competitive against Ohio State for so long that you can understand why Ohio State stopped thinking about we have to figure out a way to beat them, right? I mean, we've done it for a decade. So we've moved on to bigger and better things. Now, Ohio State needs to recalibrate a little bit. But Michigan's whole goal was finding a way to build your team to beat Ohio State. And they did it, right? Now Ohio State has to recalibrate and beat Michigan again, and then they get back to, you know, grown folk stuff like winning a national championship right and that's kind of where they're at so that's that's kind of where i'm at on that one all right let's get to some more here ryan here we go
1: this is an interesting one next question is from irish blooded other than notre dames what are some of your favorite college game day game time traditions i love um i love the running down the hill that clemson does it's pretty cool really cool I do really like the Penn State when it's a whiteout game. I think that is pretty dope. That's very cool. I think it's really cool.
2: But can you please find a different song than the, uh, 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 uh. Okay, can we do something different? But the whiteout thing is still pretty
1: cool. And it's such a
2: big stadium too, right? So a hundred some thousand people all wearing white. Like, that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool
1: deal. Yeah, those are are two that popped to my mind pretty quickly. Like, those are. Those are both really, really cool.
2: Yeah, I um, Inter Sandman thing. And it, so so the Clemson thing was interesting, Ryan, because I thought it was super lame that they're like following the bus. Like it's, yeah. like felt like a paparazzi, like they're following the bus. And I'm like, this is lame. But like there's just an electricity in that stadium when they just run down, down, run down that hill. Because here's the cool thing about it. they're doing it right in between the student section. Like so to the side of the hill, the fans to the side of the hill, that's the student. Those are students and it was loud it was rainy but it was still loud they were there's just like you can feel like you know when something's going on same like you start to get like goosebumps and you start like just yes. like feel the energy that happens when they do that like the end of the sandman thing i'm like this is lame i'm not even impressed by this but the the whole them running down the hill thing that was pretty cool and it, no, nobody fell like that's the thing i'm like man i'd probably slip out halfway through especially in the rain that was pretty cool. But yeah, that was that was that was an awesome environment. That was a really cool environment. And Clemson people that I met then, I don't know if they're like now, but the people Clemson people I met then the day before the game, the day of the game, after the game, they were really cool. They were really cool people. Um, like Georgia fans. Georgia fans are really cool in person. I think Georgia fans online are pretty terrible. Yeah I've experienced, <laughs> but Georgia, the ones I met in person are awesome. They were great, really hospitable, really good guests when they were here, very hospitable when we went down there. It's it just kind of shows that there's a difference between online fans and in person fans. Online fans tend to, you know, maybe because there's less of a potential of getting punched in the face if you mm-hmm. acted like you did in person. <laughs> maybe that's it. I don't know, but uh, Georgia fans in person are pretty, are really cool. So were Clemson fans. They were really, really fun people to be around, no doubt. Okay, we're going to have to skip a few because we're going to have to get out of here very soon. So, we're not going to get to (laughs) all these questions, Ryan. But
1: um, I know we can stay on for another like two hours. I know. As many questions as we have.
2: (laughs) Here's another one that we have here from Irish Blood. I really like, I'm going to ask you this one, Ryan. I want you to answer it. If you can have either Justin Tuck or Stefan Tooitt for the upcoming year, who do you pick and why? Man, college versions of those (sighs) two players.
1: Man, that's a tough one, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd probably go Stefan to it just because okay. I just want to imagine him and Riley Mills inside together, just wreaking havoc. Because he, I mean, you wouldn't want to put a, him at big end. Nah, nah. Okay. I mean, I know, I know, he played obviously in the three four, and he was more on the edge. But like, I want to stick him inside at six yeah. five and three hundred plus pounds, and just let him wreak havoc, man. On, yeah, against guards, like yes, please yeah. let me let that happen. So yeah, I would enjoy that. Yeah, yep. I mean, he could also play some big end on early downs, man. But on pass rush downs, you're inside, my friend. Go get him to it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that uh, that would be. I mean, that I still like the idea of just putting a Justin Tuck type into the boundary and letting him rush the quarterback would still be kind of yeah. cool. But I, I think, look, Ryan, you and I say this all the time. You went up the middle, yes. And to your point, if you had, if you had, if you had Stephon to it and Riley Mills up the middle of your defense, and Javante Jean Baptiste, and then Patelho and Burnham and Junior at Viper. That's a pretty darn yeah. good defensive line, man. It's, it's, there's not a wrong answer here. I mean, yeah. it's both a win. I just love the yeah. versatility of two and up and down. And a little that bit. would allow you to use Howard Cross as more of a swing guy, which I think yes. would then make Howard, because you're dealing with this power and then all of a sudden they bring in this little 6'1, 265 <laughs> pound guy that's just shooting gaps and just, you're like, come on, man. Seriously? Hey, man, he's 280. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. No. <laughs> but that would be, uh, that'd be fun to watch, man. That'd yeah. be, very, very fun to watch. Here we go. Uh, let's see here. Here's here's
1: one from, uh, this is a this is an interesting one. Let's go for this one from Matt McCarthy. And Matt said, who are some notable players that otherwise would have gone to Notre Dame if it weren't for staff royal, royally screwing up in the Weiss or BK eras? Earliest Ben and Thomas Graham stand out for me.
2: The one that stands out to me more than any other is Ronald Darby because yeah. he was committed to you for so long and you just dropped the ball. just completely drop the ball. Uh, that's a that's one. that's a big one for me. That one was painful because think about when you played Alabama in 2012, yeah. you'd have had Kavari Russell and Ronald Darby playing corner, right? And and along with Bennett Jackson being in the mix, too, that 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 would would have been fun to watch. Could you imagine Kavari And and, and then in 2013, that 2013 team would have had Kavari, and and uh, and as a sophomore and Ronald Darby playing together. That also been pretty fun to watch.
1: A.J. Dillon hurts me a little bit because that no. I remember the game where Tony Jones is the only healthy running back. Well, you could have had A.J. Dillon in that game, too. So, yeah, well, and here's the thing, Tony,
2: A.J. Dillon would have been. Remember, he was a great freshman at B.C., but he That's would have been on that 2017 team. team. Yes. Do you imagine having A.J. Dillon and Josh Adams as a one 2 punch on that 2017 mm-hmm. offensive line running behind that line? And then you got to deal with Brandon Wimbush. Are you kidding me?
1: AJ Dillon was a hoss, man. He That'd have been nuts. Imposing guy. <laughs> and that
2: 2018 team would have had him at running back as well, Ryan. And that would yes. have been very interesting,
3: yep.
2: very interesting. And then to your point, I'm heading, I'm going down to Georgia in 2019, and I got him and Tony Jones as my one-two punch in a game I <laughs> lost by six points. Couldn't run the football. Hmm, that's interesting. Very, yes. very interesting. Yes.
1: All right. Here, here, here we go. Here's, here's one, Ryan. Brent Smith said, I'm well aware of how you believe I'm obsessed with stars and ratings. However, don't you expect the majority of the 24 class to rise significantly over the next six to eight months?
2: No, I don't, because that's just not what they do when kids commit to Notre Dame early. I've We've just seen it more and more recently tend to fall in the rankings. I think last yeah. year, almost every single kid did. What's the justification for Drake Bowen going? Because remember, early on, the assumption was Drake was not going to sign with Notre Dame. He was from Texas. He's a southern yeah. kid. And you know, he's he's not a true Indiana born and raised. And yes. Clemson was a team to beat. He's gonna play baseball. Auburn's a team to watch out for. If Alabama offers, he's gonna to go to Alabama and he was a top fifty recruit. Yep. And then he commits Notre Dame. And then over the next year, his ranking just continues. despite the fact he goes out and has a phenomenal senior season, is Indiana Mr. Football, and his just ranking still just why? Why? Based on what? Yeah. Right, I mean, also, what has C.J. Carr done other than dominate since he's committed to Notre Dame? What, what, right? And yet his basically, ranking keeps going
1: down. Basically, the only guy that's risen since he committed was like Cam Williams and Leonard Moore yeah. to a degree. Like, those but are Leonard Moore two. was one, right? Yeah. So you'll,
2: you'll yeah. get your t- like, you know, Brandon Hillman last year was a guy that jumped, yeah. and yeah. you get a couple guys here and there, but overall, they just all just go down, yeah. down, 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 down. Now, yeah. not all of them, are, I think, are biased. I don't think on three has an anti Notre Dame bias in their rankings. I just think they have bad ranking evaluations. I just think they're bad. I think others, especially two, four, sevens becoming that way. They, I just, th- th- there's, it's becoming more of an anti Notre Dame bias. It's just obvious with an anti Notre Dame bias. Cause I can't say that Micah Bell is a, Na- a Notre Dame bias with the guys at on three. Cause they have a similarly terrible uh, ranking of Peyton Pierce who's committed yeah. to Ohio state and it's, they've had chances to change it. Now These commit committed to Ohio state and they have it. Yeah, and and Anthony Knapp's ranked way higher with on three than anyone else, and Anywhere they changed else, him yeah. that high after he committed to Notre Dame. Yep, I just think their rankings stink. I think it's... in the others, it's a it's a bias, and to some degree. So, and so no, I don't expect them to now. Should they raise <laughs> some of them for sure? I mean, Owen Wafel should be ranked higher. Leonard Moore should go up in the
1: rankings. Well, uh, Owen Wafel was should... ranked decent to start yeah, and then until he committed to Notre Dame. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, After having this, a much better junior year than sophomore year, right? You know? Five <laughs> tackles
2: for loss and two sacks. He's ranked in the top 200, and then he goes out there and dominates as a junior and he drops way big. I mean, some of these have three stars and sacks. Like, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. one that has him as a three star now. It's like, what are you yeah. watching? Uh, so someone else, I mean, CJ, how CJ Carr is not in the top three at quarterback for everyone is just whatever. If he, if CJ Carr was uncommitted, uh, I'm i promise you he'd be ranked higher. It's just the way that it is. And so, no, I don't expect them to rank, to rise. And I don't care. I, I, I care that they get better as players. That's what I care about. And that's, that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to see it. Uh, Here's, here's one, Ryan. Uh, What are your, your way too early playoff teams? Minor Notre Dame, Ohio state, Florida state, and Georgia all with one loss. So that would mean, Potentially Notre Dame or Ohio State. I'd be curious what you think here, Mike. Do you think Notre Dame beats Ohio State or vice versa? I'd be very curious about that, Ryan. What do you think of his? And then what do yeah. you what What would your to, way too early top four be? I haven't really put a lot of thought into that completely. Just yet, I haven't really put any you.
1: thought. I mean, I, I'll tell you a couple that I like, Mike. I mean, Notre Dame is a team that I think it could be for a playoff spot for sure. I think Georgia's, you know. I, I can't not count. I can't. I can't not put Georgia. You're the chance until <laughs> somebody beat
2: you, baby. That's that's yeah. that's how it is.
1: I I think Washington has a chance to have a really good, really dynamic season, and they could be in this conversation. I really do. Washington would be one for me, and then I guess a Big Ten winner, like whoever that is—Ohio sure. State, Michigan, whoever that Big Ten winner. is. Penn State should
2: be a playoff contender this year. They should. Yeah, yeah. With the talent they have coming back, I just don't know if they will. Uh, washington's an interesting one ryan because yeah. i i i feel like they they might have to run the table to get in that's my only concern because yeah. they play boise tulsa michigan state on the road michigan state's going to be terrible this year cal area. at arizona home against oregon home against arizona state at stanford at usc home against utah at oregon state home against washington state now there's some good teams on there you know you got right. at usc and you've got oregon and you've got at You've got Utah. I think Oregon State's going to be ranked, but is the committee going to show enough? Re- the committee showed no respect to the Pac-12 last year. I mean, none. Yep. And um, you know, so that's my only concern. Do they have to go? It's going to be tough for them to run the table with their defense. And the pac 12s I think, getting much better. I mean, Oregon State's ascending. You know, Dan Lanning's done nice things there. I think Oregon, Arizona is a much better team now. They're still not great, but they're they're now where they can. You got to be careful with them. Washington state's now playing two-way football, not just throw it all the time. And you know, they're now a team that's got more balance on offense. They play good defense. It's yep. a better league right now than it was three years ago. So running the table could be tough. That'd be my only concern. Otherwise, Ryan, just in theory, just looking at rosters and schedules. I, I agree with you. Washington should be a team to consider. They
1: I, have a very talented roster. Yeah, coming
2: back. Very talented. Yeah. Yep. I think, I think Washington and USC are the two teams to beat in the PAC 12 for me right now. Um, uh, I don't see a big 12 team making it. I, I, I don't, but um, I would say Georgia until they lose. I, I see, I don't see two sec teams this year. I think the sec West is going to annihilate itself a little bit this year. I I, I think, and then um, ACC, I, I, I could see Florida state, Ryan. I could see that one. I, I think, I, I think that, you know, cause the, here's the thing they're going to, if, if they're going to have potentially a win over Clemson and a win over uh, LSU on their schedule. So uh, they'll have a respectable schedule. So I, I could see them. I, I don't know if I have anybody yet. I'd, I'd still say I think Ohio State is going to go 12-1 and one this year. I think they're in. I think Notre Dame's a contender. I think eight Florida State and Clemson are going to both be content. I think Clemson is going to be better this year than people think. I do. I mean, I don't think their defense is going to be as good as it was last year but I think it's going to be benefit from the fact their offense is going to be a lot better this year, uh, getting rid of the OC and and bringing in get Riley and, and getting rid of DJ and bringing in the other kid, I think are both going to be big benefits to, to that this year. So those are, those are boosts for me at this point in time, Ryan, you got a runner. Do you got time for a couple more?
1: I mean Juliet might come in the uh, screen here in a second okay. but you know.
2: <laughs> okay. We'll just we'll, I'm going to see here if there's any others that we definitely have to get to here real quick. We do have a super chat here from Connor Grant. He says how likely. Thank you Connor for the su- another super chat. He says how likely is Benjamin Morrison to be a first round pick? Well number couple things. Number 1 Ryan is he's got to continue to Im- improve. Trajectory. He's not a first round pick yeah. right now, right? He's not. He's on his, he's on the path to becoming one. He's got to get stronger and continue to improve his game. He's got to stay healthy. And I was having a conversation with this with somebody the other day. I don't know how fast he is. I still don't know how fast he is. Like, he's so smooth, it's kind of hard to really see. I mean, part of it is to be a first round pick. He can't go run a four, five, three, most likely, and be a first round pick. I, you know, it'd be tough because uh, he's not like six, two, you know. But if he keeps doing what he's doing and developing, he's going to have a shot. If he tests just relative, I mean, if he's a four, four, eight and he builds on the career he's had so far, he'll have a shot. He'll have a shot to be there. So, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll have a shot to get there. He, he's he got this. Uh, Katie Kieber says this Ryan is Garrett Riley the real deal, or is he just writing off of Dyke's offense and his brother's last name? I don't think any of those things are true. I don't think he's necessarily the real deal, but I also don't think he's some bum who's just benefiting off of Dyke's and his brother's name. I think he's a good offensive mind, but here's the thing what they had before was terrible, like their offensive system was. Awful, Katie. So it's kind of like your
1: upgrade. It's kind
2: of like Iowa, right, Katie? Where like Cade McNamara, if he came to Notre Dame as the grad as the tr- as the transfer guy, I'd be bummed. I'm like, he's a better version of Drew Pine to me, right? But at Iowa, that's a huge upgrade. So it's also about balancing it to to where you are relative to what you were before. And then Cade Klubnik is such a better. And that's the thing too. He is a great. That is a great scheme fit. For what you need to do with Cade Klubnik, and speaking of Iowa, did you see who they picked up in the portal yesterday, Ryan? You got Caleb Brown, yes, yeah. from Ohio State. Yeah. They've Saw added a Caleb Brown, Eric All, and and Cade McNamara. Like now, that might not excite some people, but when you watch that offense for five minutes last year, Eric All helps alleviate the loss of Sam Laporta. Right? He is he as good as Sam Laporta? Probably not, but he's good. He's a good tight end, so that helps. Caleb Brown gives you a dynamic athlete or running back and you have arguably the, the, I would say this, here's my hot take. No team in college football this year is going to see a bigger jump in quarterback play than Iowa from what it was last year. No team in college football. That's how bad it was. And I'm, and I'm saying Caden McNamara is going to look a lot like he did two years ago at Michigan. That's it. That's it. But that is such a significant upgrade over what they had before uh, that so what you're saying is is that jump.
1: Brian Ferentz is going to get his raise. That's yeah, I,
2: right. He's got 25 points a game. Yes, he's yes uh, a guy that should get fired is going to get a bonus because yes. uh but and be, and and he should give every single dime of that bonus money to Phil Parker because he's going to get him the possessions to get there. So yes yes uh, that's where I'm going to be on that one. So I'm I'm going to go through here and just make sure that there are no others that we definitely have to get to, guys. I'm sorry, guys and gals. I'm sorry we're not going to get to all the ones. Um, that we uh that we we need to, but we we do have to run here. My wife's out of town now, and so I it's it, we're now three and a half hours in. I got to go check on my dogs and let them in and all that other stuff. But here's the last one, Ryan. I'll go here. No, I'm sorry. Yes, here we go.
1: Yep. Jason says, Brian, if Notre Dame beats USC, will you do a Heisman pose on the podcast? Heck to the yes.
2: Yes, I will come home after the game. I will get here and I will pull my chair back and I will give you the Heisman, a true standing up. I'll have my football on my hand. I might even put my helmet on if they beat USC and, and, and give you the Heisman post. So yes, if they beat USC this year, you absolutely, absolutely will. And then
1: with a Ric Flair, woo. Yes. Ric Flair, woo.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then here's the last one. I'm going to end with a, a, a historical question. That is a fun, interesting debate.
1: Rob Tidoff said, "Brian and Ryan, this is mostly for Brian since Ryan wasn't born yet. If Notre Dame beats Miami in the Orange Bowl Thanksgiving weekend in 1989, does our number one Notre Dame player Tony Rice win the Heisman?
2: 1989, would he have won the Heisman? I will say no. He probably still doesn't win the Heisman, but I think he would have finished second instead of fourth. That would be my that would be my thing because he he still threw two touchdowns and nine picks, and even back then that was still a bit of a, a jump." And Andre Ware's numbers that year at my at Houston were stupid. I mean, for that era, 4,699 yards and 45 touchdowns, I think he would have finished ahead of Major Harris, and I think he would have finished ahead of Anthony Thompson that year. I think he would have finished second. And Anthony Thompson was only 70 points behind Andre Ware. But I still I don't know if he gets all the way to number one. That would be my only thing. I don't know if he gets all the way to number one, but I do think he would have had a chance to be higher that year. But, I mean, could have. He certainly could have because here's the thing. In order to beat Miami, he would have probably had to play really a lot better than he did, and that could have completely swayed. Like looking at the votes now, it might even be fair to do that. He could have uh, because they could say, hey, look, look at the t- look at who they beat. Look how he played against Miami. Where who'd Houston beat? Like, what did Houston do that year? Like, they beat SMU like ninety something to twenty. Like so what? SMU <laughs> was terrible. They were coming off you know probation and all that. So uh, possibly, very very possibly, we did have a, a super chat pop up, Ryan, that I wanted to. Um, uh, to get to as well before okay. we get out of here,
1: Patrick. And you McGrain's, can take us
2: out it, Ryan. You can take us out of here after we get done with this one.
1: Okay, Patrick McGrain said, did Ty, Ty um, Tommy Reese bring in Tyler Buckner as a band aid until the other quarterbacks catch up, and then be quick to bench him and roll with the other one of the other guys?
2: I highly doubt that that was his intention. I, I, I knowing knowing the relationship that Tommy Reese has with Tyler Buckner, I'd be shocked if that's the thought process there. I I'd be I don't think he would bring him in if that were the case. I think what he did is is he doesn't have a lot of faith in the quarterbacks that are there. I think that that I I think that there's a very high expectation or you know I've heard that there's a lot of love for um Dylan Lonergan but is he going to be ready this year or next? I don't think it was a band-aid. I think that Tyler Buck I think that Tommy Reese has a lot of faith in Tyler Buckner as a player. And and believes that in his offense he can come to them and help them compete this year. Cause you got to remember something. I don't think it's a given that Tommy Reese is going to be at Alabama very long. I mean, this is still a guy that wants to ultimately be an NFL coach. If he goes out and wins at Bama this year, he he could possibly write his own ticket to NFL offensive coordinator jobs. Right? I yeah. mean, that's the reality of it. So I think he brought in Tyler Buckner because he thinks Tyler Buckner gives them another talented quarterback in that room. For the competition to to give them better odds of having a championship caliber offense on the field this year, I think that's why he brought him in. And I think he thinks if Tyler placed his potential, he can be a big time quarterback. I don't disagree with him on that. Will he get there? I have no clue. But the talent is there. I don't. I don't think. I think people that just want to hate on Tyler now, he doesn't have. And that's hate because people are just disrespectful with Tyler Buckner. Yes, uh, and just oh, he stinks. He's no good. He's this. That's nonsense. I can understand why you can question is he a championship caliber quarterback? That's a very fair question right now. Very fair. But there's he didn't just lose his ability all of a sudden. And yeah. so, and Tom Reese knows that. So I think that's why they brought him in,
1: Ryan. I think, I think that's why. So. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we are going to end the show. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. A lot of great questions. Before you leave, if you could please. Join the message board at IrishBreakdown.com. Like my man, K says here, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Share the podcast, and of course, leave a five-star review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit the IB store for your best merch, and as always, go Irish. We appreciate you all so much from Brian. I am Ryan. Thank you all so much again for joining the Free For All Mailbag on the Irish Breakdown podcast. <laughs>